Hey, 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 welcome to the 25 Podcast. I'm your host, Oni Anuken. Join me bi-weekly for real and raw conversations on topics commonly faced by women in their 20s. In this episode, I'm joined by Parween Manda, an accredited financial counsellor and a millennial money coach. Hi, Parween. Hi, how's it going? Not bad. I'm so glad to have you on today. Me too. I'm so excited to be here and talk with you and speak with your audience about a topic that not a lot of people love talking about, which is money. I know. It's definitely not, it's a topic that people do tend to shy away from, but a very, Mm. very important one. So I am excited to have you on and ask you some of my personal questions and hopefully inform the audience too. Um, So before, before we get started today, can you just give me a bit of a, who you are, what you do? Yeah. Awesome. Um, So I'm Parween. I'm an accredited financial counselor, trauma of money facilitator, and a millennial money coach for women of color from immigrant upbringing specifically. I work with my clients to help them break free of the broke immigrant mindset and build wealth for themselves. Um, My money story honestly started when I was young, when I was 16, when we almost lost my childhood home. And at that time, the bank advisor said, you know, they don't have enough towards my parents, as in they don't have enough money. Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment that I realized that having a lack of money meant lack of power control, safety, well-being, all these things came up for me at that moment. So I had vowed to myself to become financially independent at a very young age. 10 years later, at the age of 26, I now have a six-figure net worth, which is uh, quite the feat. And I, I think we should definitely mm-hmm. celebrate whenever a woman of color is able to achieve something like that. But it, it took a lot of work for, for me to get to get to this point. So, um, and I'm still helping other women do the same. First off, I just want to say a huge congratulations. That's um, incredible. And, and, you know, to have an experience like that and to turn your life around, turn your relationship with money around is mm-hmm. just so incredible, just in isolation. But, you know, being able to share what you've learned, to package what you've learned and to share that with others is is really, it just takes it to another level. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to learn something, but it's another to be able to teach what you've learned to others. So, that they avoid some of the pitfalls and um you know are able to build as well um so congratulations on that yeah thank Um, you you so much and so at the beginning of the episode we said that you know money is a conversation that is not spoken about often i mean i think Mm. things are starting to slowly open up thanks to um you know platforms and businesses like yours um I, I think we are shifting to, to towards a more kind of open landscape, but there's still a lot of taboo. Um, mm-hmm. To anyone who is trying to open up those channels of, you know, communication around money and finances with loved ones, what would your suggestions be? Because, um, I mean, you raised some interesting points and um, being from, you know, a similar immigrant background as well I think you know and and just seeing that amongst other you know migrant communities um conversations around money and about money directly are often you know stilted or not had at all um so Mm. what would your um guidance be on on opening up those channels of communication 
Yeah, absolutely. I think one, let's acknowledge, you know, some of these money narratives that we've grown up with, which is we avoid talking about money, mm-hmm. right? Like our parents would have conversations at the kitchen table, but we wouldn't be involved. There was fighting, there was whatever else going on, um, but there was no conversation, healthy conversation around money. And obviously we, we learn from that and we think that money is a very scary and taboo topic. And so we do the same when we get older. And something I like to teach my clients is when you're starting to talk about money with loved ones, partners, friends, whoever it might be, mm-hmm. don't just talk numbers, talk values. You know, how do you want your life to look like? Right. What do you enjoy spending your money on? What matters to you? Like these things slowly open up a conversation that are related to money, but it's not you know about hardcore numbers and budgeting and all that stuff. So, um, and just making sure that you create a very non-judgmental space. So it could be like a money date, for example. Maybe there's wine involved. Um, whatever the case may be, just make it a very casual conversation uh, where you're just talking about you know how you want your life to look like and how, what role money is going to play in that. I really like that advice and it's very, very tangible. I mean, for for many people, when they do start having conversations about money, the first thing you jump to is the numbers. But that idea of shifting the focus from numbers to the values, it it seems very simplistic, but it, it really, you know, I presume it would have a a really big effect because for many people, we don't like numbers, don't deal with numbers on a daily basis. So any conversations around numbers can be stressful. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you're entering those conversations already at a stressful kind of point of tension, I can only imagine that it's gonna naturally lead to feeling defensive and erupting unnecessarily. So I really, I really love that advice. And and you mentioned, um, you know, this year um, you hit your milestone goal of 100K. Mm. Um, Mm I mean, that's amazing. And I I just, I I imagine that to get there, there must have been a a lot of steps. Um, So I guess, yeah, take me back a bit. You mentioned almost losing your family house and and now we see you today with a six-figure network and, you know, there there must have been a lot to get you there. What was that journey like? And and when did you set that goal for yourself of 100K? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I guess to answer a second part, when I set the goal for myself was actually when I left school at the age of 22, so about four years ago. Right. And at that time, I just did some simple math and I was like, okay, if I save $2,000 a month in four years, I'll be at $96,000. So almost hundred K. And then I was like, boom, okay. I'm like, I can do this. This is achievable. And the goal and the, the key there was for me to make it super specific, right? It wasn't just like, I'm gonna make it hit hundred K at some point in my lifetime. It was like, nope. In four years, this is where I want to be, which means each month I need to be saving X amount of dollars, um, over time in order to achieve it. And so making it super specific is really key to me. Um, in addition, I guess, even when I hit my 100K, you know, it obviously was amazing, it felt great, but I still have this scarcity mindset, mm. right? From my upbringing of like, it's a feeling that it's not enough, right? Which sounds right. crazy. I know that's a very privileged thing to say at this point, but it just stems from my upbringing because I just see where I witnessed how, um, again, the role that money played. And I'm just like, okay, I just need to have more and more and more. And that means I'm more safe and more secure and all that. And so I really had to take a step back and celebrate for myself 
fact that I was able to achieve this mm-hmm. number and feel and just clear the energy around it. It's not because I did it for security and whatever it might be. It's because, you know, I wanted my independence, right? I wanted to be able mm-hmm. to achieve something for myself. And this is what that number represents. It represents that liberation. Um, and so that, so that was key, uh, key to me getting here. Um, and I think just having a plan, being super strategic, understanding where I was spending my money, where I wasn't. I'm, and I preach this to my clients all the time, deprivation is not the way to go, right? I still traveled, I still spent money on coffee and avocado toast, all those things that, you know, financial gurus say that millennials are the reason we can't buy homes or build wealth, which is just total BS. Um, deprivation is not the way. Mm-hmm. Because I learned that when I would deprive myself of spending, I would just get so amped up and I would just break. And I would just spend on a bunch of stuff that I didn't really need. And then I would feel guilty for it. And then when I felt guilty for it, I went back into cycle of cash to deprive myself. And then it continued and continued and continued. Um, and that was just getting me nowhere. And so having a healthy balance between setting financial goals, but also enjoying your money, enjoying your life is the key to keep you motivated and, and going. That cycle sounds all too familiar. You know, mm. the, the cycle of deprivation saying, okay, well, I'm just not going to spend any money at all. Um, and then yeah. you know, by, by the end of the week, two weeks, month, however long <laughs> you manage to last, you crack and you spend way more money than you could have ever, you know, you spend mm. way more than you normally would. Um, and you do the damage of, of um, you know, three months worth as opposed to yeah um, yeah, the budget that you had in place so yeah that Mm -hmm. deprivation cycle is all too real I I really do believe that you have to move to a sustainable way of living in 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 many different areas of life and this kind of short-term deprivation doesn't work in the long Mm. term when you're trying to build up that you know financial um security and independence you know I mean, 100K is amazing. And I think that you mentioned that you had certain factors that helped you in achieving that. I mean, it, it's still um, a, a huge achievement, but mm-hmm. you were definitely in a position where that was a, a realistic and attainable goal for you. For mm-hmm. people who are kind of looking at setting a savings goal and what are your kind of like top three pieces of advice? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I, I'll answer this in two different parts. One is in terms of what your financial priority should be and the other being the advice on how to get there mm-hmm. um so the first thing i always write to my clients is to have three to six months worth of emergency savings set aside right mm-hmm. we live in a world and like we witnessed with the pandemic people lost their jobs there was no savings to fall on they had to rely on credit cards and borrowing etc and so having that cushion of funds is, is very very important and so what you're going to do is you're going to understand what your bare necessity expenses are. So I'm talking about rent, utilities, food, transportation, those four. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get the numbers. You're going to go and do the numbers. How much is it going to be for a month for me to survive in these in these categories? And then multiply that by three or six, however long you want to have that fund for. If you're a freelancer, I recommend having six months. Uh, if you have more of a stable employment, three months is okay. Um, and then you're, once you have that three month or six month number, you're going to work to put aside that money each month um, until you achieve it. And so again, like I did with my 100K goal, I set up a deadline for myself 
right? So it could be, you know, in six months, I want to have a fully funded three month emergency fund of $3,000, for example. Great. How many paychecks do you have in between then? It's probably 12, right? So you divide it by each paycheck and then you start to put that money aside. Um, and you're going to do it in a way that's automatic. When it comes to your bank account, boom, it's gone, it's transferred. Stating I'm going to have savings isn't, isn't a goal, right? Yeah. Making it more specific. I'm going to have uh, a fully funded emergency fund of $3,000 in six months uh, by putting aside an extra $200 each month, whatever it might be. So make it super specific. That's really fantastic advice. Um, I, I know from my personal experience, um, in the past, I have had times where I just like have a general goal of wanting to save money without any kind of plan or budget towards savings. Um, and, you know, it's it's really been a series of kind of like trial and error, starting to have conversations, some uncomfortable conversations um, and, and really kind of changing the way I kind of, changing my spending habits and the way I treat money to kind of, yeah, change some kind of bad habits that I'd learned along mm. the way, unlearn those habits that I'd learned and 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 put better practices in place. Um, how do you deal with self-restraint? I mean, like, yeah, mm. how, does it come more naturally to you or was it something that you had to overcome? Oh, like, I'm human. Like I had to overcome the same, the same <laughs> struggle of like, you know, there's a sale of Sephora and like, I didn't quite budget for it, but like, oh, I don't want to miss out. And so it's just really understanding one, what I teach my clients is the world of consumerism that we live in, mm. right? We're constantly being advertised to that. Hey, if you're feeling some sort of type of pain, you shouldn't be feeling that there's a product or a service that you can buy in order to, in order to fix it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I have my clients do is understand that messaging, you know, companies create urgency for a reason because they want to have you spend impulsively. Um, in addition, another question that I have my, my clients ask themselves is how are you feeling in this moment? What's your emotional state? Because whenever we're, you know, bored, sad, angry, even just super happy, our ability to make a rational decision is impacted, right? Like if you reflect mm -hmm. back on some of the purchases that you've made that you've probably regretted, I would ask you to uh, think back to how you were feeling in that moment. Were you just bored and you need something to do? And so you end up spending like 50 bucks on Amazon for no reason, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so mm -hmm. bringing in that mindfulness of like, okay, how am I feeling this, in this moment? Is this influencing my need to buy this thing is, is such a great great tool to have at your disposal to avoid that you know and you talk about self-restraint I, I think of it more as just like giving you the tools to say no right just what can you what else can you implement to because I feel like self-restraint just feels like it's almost like deprivation mm. oh you shouldn't be doing this like the language is very restricting right and so for me it's just understanding like how do we, how do we make it more intentional for you how do we make you love the purchases that you buy because the worst thing is when you buy something and then you regret buying it, right? Mm -hmm. I see it all the time and it's totally normal. And I want to have the same moving forward. Um, so I would say just how do you make your intent, your purchases more intentional is the key. Right. So it, it's, it's more about consciousness in, in terms of, mm. you know, your finances and your money being conscious and, and what you spend on and, um, you know, what you 
like your savings you've got to kind of make set your intentions and be very clear about these things as opposed to just letting them happen absolutely and then again just checking in internally right? right how are you feeling and this is influencing your need to buy that thing and so your specific target group um is women um mm-hmm. specifically women from you know immigrant backgrounds right um and 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 something that you've kind of spoken about on your instagram touched on is um the you know the idea of um women's financial independence and um financial security and particularly in immigrant communities whilst we are seeing kind of huge strides being made by women um you know in academics mm. in the career across you know different industries um it's really amazing we also still see that kind of old mentality of kind of securing your future by marrying a wealthy partner and this is something that you kind mm. of push back on um a lot mm. and 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 shift the focus instead on you know getting your house in order having your money sorted as opposed to looking to somebody to kind of be your protector savior atm right as much as i say it's old um it's traditional kind of old logic it's it's something that i still hear from you know our peers um it's it's mm. something it's a, although i i think it is you know dissipating it's definitely um reducing it's still a common kind of phenomenon how do we mm-hmm. combat this yeah oof such a such a big question right um look i think first and foremost there are going to be people and women out there who who prefer this type of dynamic right in a relationship where where the man is is the provider and all that and so that's totally okay like just no judgment around that if that's if that is in fact your choice i think um but for others where you know they end up being stuck mm-hmm. in relationships that are unhealthy because they're reliant on the male for their financial security that's what i want to break right and mm. fighting for your financial security is is the key to breaking this narrative right and so just thinking about you know putting yourself through school or not school's not for everyone getting yeah. the career that you love you know learning how to manage your money so that you're only dependent upon yourself and no one else to survive right like i see this in my dynamic with my parents i'm from an east indian community and so um usually the, the the mom is stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. and the male goes out and earns an income um, and I just I witness how just how powerless my mom could sometimes be in those conversations mm-hmm. when she didn't have a job herself um, because she didn't bring in the money therefore she cannot control the money right, right? and so that was a lesson that I also learned early on was if it's my money it's my money no one else can make a decision for mm-hmm. me on how I choose to spend it or not spend it. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just thinking about you yourself as a person, your values, and how you want to show up in that relationship. It, you want to be an equal partner, right? You and your partner are going to build a life that you want together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to contribute to that equally. You're not reliant on them to, to lift you up in that sense. 
But the key there is just, I want you to always fight and think about your own financial security and rights. Because I just don't want you to become a dependent on someone else. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a human, even a job, whatever else it might be. Dependent on that so that you can't leave a situation that you're not happy in. And that's the key for me. That's really important. And that distinction that you made uh, initially about the choice is is a mm-hmm. very important factor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's all about consciousness again um, and and not, you know, giving up your power um, and or, mm-hmm. or uh, realizing, you know, your power and, and, and definitely having your own money um, does give you a say um you're hard pushed to find somebody who will um give you free control to them you know free access mm-hmm. to their money with um no conditions attached um right. <laughs> so yeah no yeah. that's <laughs> definitely definitely important and and i think that um you know something that we have to be considering more as as we continue as our generation continue growing up and and moving into new stages it's definitely something that um we need to explore more have Mm. conversations about i think that scenarios that you're talking about it it often obviously doesn't start out that way and it is that kind of feeling it is that kind of gradual kind of stuckness that you find yourself Mm. in as opposed to that immediate powerlessness it's it sort of happens over time a lot of people won't have heard about a money coach before what are the kind of pros of figuring out money with a money coach yeah, absolutely. I think the easiest way for me to kind of describe what a money coach is versus isn't is comparing it to a financial advisor in a bank, right? Mm-hmm. That's what people usually think about when they're trying to think about who do I go to for assistance and help. So a financial advisor is a great resource to help you invest your money, make sure your assets are protected like through insurance and stuff, um, and understand your retirement needs. But what a financial advisor doesn't have the capacity for, nor are they paid to do, is help you manage your day-to-day expenses, um, such as, you know, the budgeting, how to identify your spending triggers, um, or even provide you the financial education that you're looking for. And they definitely won't be able to help you with your emotional connection to money or explore any of those money narratives that are sabotaging how you show up with money today. Right. And so a financial coach or money coach is a really great first step to um, before you go to a financial advisor to have the money set aside to invest, have a solid financial foundation, uh, feel empowered in those conversations to know exactly what your advisor is talking about, RSP, TFSA, investing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and to be really informed about that, because what I see with a lot of my clients when they come to me, um, it, it's not because they're confused with investing. You know what I mean? It, it, there's mm-hmm. so many more steps right before that. It's like they don't have enough by the end of the month. They don't know where their money is going. They can't stop in, impulse spending. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't get rid of their debt. Like they just feel so stuck where they are. And they've tried, you know, doing it themselves, listening to Dave Ramsey, whoever else is out there, and they still can't apply the knowledge. And that's because there's psychologies involved in that, mm-hmm. right? And my role as the coach is to help you unblock those and provide you a straightforward path um, to success. Because I've been there, I've done it myself, and I'm here to help others do the same. 
Um, I actually didn't know the difference between a money coach and a financial advisor. So, um, so thank you for making that distinction clear. For people who are wanting to kind of deal with their well, I'm I'm trying to reframe my language. Actually, you've definitely mm. made me more more conscious of it. But um, for mm. people who are at an earlier kind of stage with the, in their money money journey and money education, sure. um, that would love to tap into a service like a money coach, but just really can't afford it. Like you you mentioned situations mm. where people have nothing at the end of the month. Um, mm-hmm. what top three resources would you recommend? Yeah, for sure. I think um, before I answer that, I'll, the idea of not being able to afford a money coach or um, you know, people who come to me who, who don't know where the money went by the end mm-hmm. of the month or my, my thinking around that, it always just, working with me is an investment, right? Mm-hmm. And it's an investment that you will see a return of. You can try, again, I'll get into the, the specific question. You can try to do it yourself, but if you've tried and you've failed, you just delaying putting that investment in yourself is costing you more money and more energy mm. and just more time, right? Whereas I can provide you that, that path. And I also do provide payment plans and all that with my clients so that we make it as easy as possible for them. And honestly, some of them do put my, put my services on a credit card because they can't afford me um, right out of the gate. But by the end of it, they have such a great foundation and confidence and results with how their bank account is looking that we're not even talking about the investment at that point, right? It, 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 it's, it's just paid off. So just a side note there um, mm-hmm. that I wanted to touch on. Um, but for the people who, you know, who are earlier on, I'm thinking about myself, even when I started, all those years ago and wanting to learn about financial literacy, um, I turned to a lot of uh, financial blogs. So especially in Canada, there are a lot of great uh, financial blogs out there. I would literally type in, you know, Canadian finance blog, and then I would just get a slew of responses and just kind of go through each of them and start to pick up on the terms, um, people's sort of best practices. Everyone is different, right? It was just sort of exposing myself to all that. Um, YouTube is another big one now, more so than even when I started. Uh, you can Google, I mean, you can YouTube anything, um, how to, you know, methods to pay off debt or uh, how to start investing, all mm-hmm. of that. And there's always, there's always books. So for me, a great book that I thought was super helpful was uh, Worry Free Money by Shannon Lee Simmons, who's actually a Canadian uh, financial advisor or financial planner, actually. Her book is really, really great. And so I would recommend that to anyone who's just wanting to start anywhere. So those are my three recommendations. Awesome. And for anyone looking for your services or to find out more about your story, where can they find you? Absolutely. So you can find me one on Instagram at parween.mander. Feel free to shoot me a DM and chat there. Um, in the link in my bio, you will find my website, which is The Wealthy Wolf. Um, and on there, you'll find a link to my services page and how to book a call with me directly, as well as there is a freebie up there. Um, I am changing it. So right now it is my five strategies to mindful money mastery. 
but I'm going to change that over to a uh, how to avoid impulse purchases uh, little little download. So uh, regardless, it's a freebie up there. Um, so definitely take advantage of that. Awesome. I will also drop the handle for your Instagram in the description for this episode as well, as well as a link to your website. So I'll make it super easy for everyone. And just on a final note, what parting message or one key takeaway would you like to leave to women navigating their mid twenties in 2020? Uh, Absolutely. Um, For me, it's this one. It's um, your financial situation isn't permanent it can change it can change no matter where you're at it can change and i also don't want you guys to blame yourselves about not being quote unquote good with money give yourself some slack we've never been taught this especially when we come from immigrant backgrounds we're at more of a disadvantage um, because we didn't learn or have role models growing up um at least for some situations where that wasn't the case language barriers all that you're just learning right like you're just learning um so i just want you to have that give yourself some slack around that and lastly this is like three messages i'm sorry um (laughs) it's just identify as someone who is good with money and confident with money first and the reason for it is this if you constantly are in this space where you're like i suck with money I can't keep money, why even bother trying, like just all this negative self-sabotage. Anytime you try to do a different action, like budgeting or paying for your credit card or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it's not gonna work because you're, you're still identifying as someone who's bad with money. So even if you try to budget and then you know you overspend, you're like, okay, well, that's because I'm bad with money. So this whole thing is just, it's not worth it. Um, it's very easy to kind of resort back to that identity. And so I work with my clients with this as well. It's just, Let's get, let's give you the identity of someone who's good and confident with money first. And then, you know, we implement the action and then you see the results and that helps you feed that cycle of, yes, you are someone that's good with money um, instead of uh, the other negative self-talk. So thank you so much for sharing your takeaways. Um, They are all really incredible. Um, Mm. I've really enjoyed having you on this episode and I'm looking forward to just going back and sitting through and and listening to some of the amazing nuggets of wisdom that you've shared today. Awesome. I I thank you so much for having me on. Uh, This is great. I love spreading this message. It's just financial empowerment. Um, especially again towards my audience of women of color from immigrant upbringings mm-hmm. there's no one else there that's really you know doing this for us and so i want to i want to be that voice so thank you again for sharing allowing me, sharing your platform with me um, allowing me to share my story well my lovelies thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode stay connected by following the show on instagram at 25 podcast if you took something away from this episode or you know someone who might please share it and don't forget to tag us if you have a few more moments to spare to support the podcast please leave me a review on itunes i appreciate the feedback and will be so so grateful thank you so much and see you in two weeks time for the next episode of the 25 podcast